Welcome to the Novel Discourse Podcast, where we discuss great stories and how they're told. Today we're talking about a story that you can't really say it's a great story yet, because we're doing something we normally don't do, which is we're going to be reviewing a show that just started coming out with episodes that is the Amazon's The Ring of Power. You know, there's a lot of good fantasy shows coming out this year, um, and it's not often that you come out with a new Tolkien piece, and... This being a writing show, we figured we have to talk about this. We have to talk about this highly talked about, I dare to say highly controversial in some ways, uh, Ugh, new show yeah. on Amazon. Unfortunately um, controversial. Okay, we've talked about this before, but do you want to give a brief history of the of the controversy and the supposed controversy, and then I can add on from there? Because it's kind of interesting. It's, so, uh, of course, like, I think uh, this show in is in a, somewhat similar scenario to where the game of thrones show is right like this is a massively beloved franchise that had uh the beginning of its run was universally beloved by almost everyone and then like the last piece of it that we got is almost universally panned right so like the end of game of thrones season seven and eight are widely detested by the fandom and the hobbit movies uh that came out are widely detested by the fandom. And so when it's announced that, like, hey, we're making this, you know, House of the Dragon show for, for HBO, and then uh, in parallel to that, uh, Amazon Prime announces that they're going to make the most expensive television show ever created um, as a prequel to Lord of the Rings, a second-age story called The Rings of Power, um, there's obviously some trepidation. Um the the beginning of the the real controversy is they show the trailer for Ring of Power and uh, there are black people in it and immediately <laughs> uh, what people come out of the woodwork to let everyone know that uh, that just ruins their their whole that that ruins their life that a, a fantasy world for them is highly dependent on there not being anyone that's not white. It is bizarre to me, frankly, especially because those people clearly didn't read the lore that that closely because like the characters the characters that are black in this show are either black canonically or are original characters for the show. Got it. So they're they're not there's no, you know, there's no canonical reason to be upset. Can I ask you on that real quick? Because I did have For a question sure. around this. Because I went into this not knowing which characters would be black or which characters would be white or anything like that. Sure. As somebody who's written high fantasy, I was a little bit confused as to why. So it shows this town of... They were, they're not called hobbits. They're the, the pre-hobbits. What are they called? The Harfoots. The Harfoots. So it shows this town of the Harfoots. And they make a point to show they're a very small, very closed-off community. And like they, they're hiding, basically, when they see a traveler pass by. And so you get that the they sense they're, very, they're a very insular society. And so when they open up shop and they show the kind of town of the Harfoots, and then they've got people of different races, my, immediately, my immediate thought went to, from a world-building perspective, how did you get people of multiple ethnicities in this community that's so closed off? And I don't know well, if that's canonical or if I'm getting if I'm yeah I mean obviously obviously like that's that's not addressed like directly by the lore because there are elves and dragons in this and so like race being you know not something uh, as far as race as, as we have socially constructed it in our world is not addressed in Lord of the Rings anywhere. Um, however, we do know that like hobbits as and harfoots as they exist were originally just tribes that's why they have last names right so like all the brandy bucks all the bagginses all the and they are these massive families slash tribes that all have the last names and they end up living in collective you know geographically similar locations and they become kind of communities um the harfoots that we see in the episodes do not all have the last same last name so conceivably they, at some prior point to this, even before the Second Age, because these Harfoots have been around since the First Age, so they probably were in different locations, leading to, you know, however you decide people gain more and less melanin in their skin via evolution or adaptation or geographic location and exposure to the sun, um, and then ended up living in a some kind of community based on some prior event that we don't see. That said, the level of, like, chagrin this caused 
is crazy. And what's really interesting to me is that we saw, if you go back and you look at the, it's, it's fascinating because if you go back and you look at the trailer for the first Lord of the Rings movie, Fellowship of the Ring, one of the clips that they show in that trailer is Arwen with a sword on the back of the horse with sick Frodo. You remember that scene where like the, the Nazgul are chasing uh, right. Frodo when he got stabbed by the Morgul blade? And she like rears the horse back. She holds up the elven blade and she's like, you will not take him. And it's like this cool like moment as they're going to get to Rivendell. That's not in the book. Um, Arwen never touches a weapon in, in the book. And the comments on the original trailer like from the time were like there's this exact same thing where they're like, oh my gosh, this forced political agenda of like women have to be powerful and blah, blah. The difference is that whole like super like people's entire identity being like I'm uh, SJWs ruin everything anti woke blah 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 that wasn't like a whole career path yet like that was just like something people <laughs> yeah. discussed somewhere and then left behind that's now like entire YouTube channels and entire podcasts and entire ide- like p- some people walk around that's their whole like identity to the world is they just like I I mean I, I I've joked about it with you guys in the group chat like. Uh, House of Dragon has like one black character who's like an ancillary character. And before the episode even came out, so people didn't know like what that black character was going to be. This YouTube He's video. Valerian, right? Like, and the ha- show. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like House of Dragon woke disaster. And it was like <laughs> a picture of that character. The thumbnail was like a picture of that character. And then the princess, uh, the chick that's the heir to the throne and then her like handmaid who's now going to marry the king and like a picture of her like with her hands on the princess's shoulders like implying that they're in some kind of lesbian relationship like in the thumbnail and you're like okay dude so you didn't even like know the context of any of this you just like saw some clips decided what this was and we're like oh my god they're wokeifying this whole show and so that's that's effectively what this turned into. And so I feel like people went into this wanting to be incredibly upset. And I knew that was the truth because when I, I got a text from my friend Ben on Thursday night being like, hey, are you watching Rings of Power? And I was like, oh, doesn't it come out tomorrow? And he was like, no, they actually just dropped it. So I went to fire it up and I immediately opened Rotten Tomatoes. And the the, the show had been up available to stream for four minutes and there was 10,000 reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, and it had like a 4%, and all of them were like... <laughs> and here's the thing. People are... And here's the other thing, and I, and I promise I'll leave this alone after this. We can actually talk about like the, the meat of the show. People are fucking cowards. Like, I would respect it if people were like, you know what? I don't like watching black people on television. I want to watch all <laughs> yeah, the I'm, I'm, people. I would be I'm like, you know sure what? Like, that sucks. That sucks, but you know what? That's your That's your thing. Instead... This show's been up for four minutes, and there are reviews on there for zero stars being like, the worst writing I've ever seen, some of the worst acting ever seen in a like motion picture or on a screen ever, like hundreds of these. So it's clearly just like naked review bombing, like they want this thing to fail, they fucking hate it for a very obvious reason, like they haven't watched it, so like there's really only one piece of controversy they could be latching on to, um, and that sucks. Now, the good news is with this show... That doesn't really matter. Like, it's not going to get canceled. Amazon's like pledged a billion dollars to this yeah, thing. This and isn't it, going and away. it got the it got it got the biggest premiere of any show in Amazon's history. It got twenty five million viewers. Uh, wow. Compare that to yeah. House of the Dragon, which got ten million, which is huge for HBO. They love that. Um, but House of the, but uh, Rings of Power got twenty five million viewers, and the the reviews have steadily risen as normal people who. I'm not talking about like five star reviews, but just normal ass like three and a half, four star, four and a half yeah. star reviews. It's up to like three point like, seven stars now, which yeah. sounds about right. And, yeah. and I'm not going to come in here and tell you that this is going to be the greatest Lord of the Rings content you've ever seen because it's just too early. And that's another thing I'll say about this is I kind of like that because they have unlimited runway. Like they're under no pressure to like immediately pay off action. Like they have all the room in the world to play the setup game that they are taking their time to like really set up an entire storyline that I think we're going to see pay off with kind of the conflict that everyone knows is going to come, which is like the eventual defeat of Sauron at the end of the Second Age. We know that will eventually happen, but they're taking liberty with and taking their time with setting up how we will get there, and that's really interesting. And it is really cool 
to watch something Tolkien where I don't know what's going to happen. Because like when I watch anything else, Lord of the Rings, as a huge Tolkien fan, I know what's going to happen when I watch Lord of the Rings. Even the first time I saw it, I knew almost line by line what events were going to occur. With this, I'm like, I don't know who this gray-haired stranger is that falls from the sky. I have no idea who that is yet. And that's great. That's really cool. So we'll see. I'm going to, the last word on this uh on this topic about the race and the wokeness, I'll I'll take the last word. I'm I'm telling you right now, I'm taking the last word, which is super unfair. But just just so that we can move on to the next thing. So again, sure. going back to the from the perspective of like writing high high fiction fantasy, I've taken writing courses where they will tell you if you're gonna put that river on the map, you need to have a reason as to why the river is on the map. You need to think about the evolution of the land. And how the topography changed over time. And how that led to settlements being in certain spots. And how people groups migrated and things like that. Not necessarily because you have to write every single bit of that on your story. But there are fans of high fantasy fiction. This group of readers and fans love knowing the ins and outs of everything. Why things happened. And so, yes, are there people that are watching this and are like, why are there black people on my television screen? Absolutely. Are there also people like me who legitimately are like, hey, why is this small town that has like half the people are black, half the people are white? I want to know from a history perspective, the migration, things like that. I think that exists as well. And I don't think that's ruining the show, but I do think a lot of fans of high fantasy want to know, like they might see, for example, Lord of the Rings or sorry, not Lord of the Rings. Um house of the dragon they might see the black valerian they might want to know where did he come from how did he become in this high power does that does his skin color matter at all in the valerian society not necessarily coming from a bad place but just wanting to know those things and so i can see legitimate fans being like what's going on here now i don't think those same fans would give it a one star but i do think that it would raise questions and that might harm the rating a little bit but again not it wouldn't it wouldn't write like this is ruined from wokeness or anything like that i i will say this uh if someone is a true like tolkien lore head uh the harfoots are described as all dark-skinned so well there you go so that's the kind of question that i had yeah if so if they're if they're mad that's how that's like the real like trap of this is that if they're mad that some of them are are black then I know that that's not, then they're not mad about canon, right? Yeah. Like, then I know that they're not mad about canon. Like, then it's suddenly you've, they've revealed themselves. But yeah, I don't think that's a bad question to ask. Um, I think it's just like they got a lot of other more important shit to go through than, like, I mean, yeah, there, there are, you yeah. know, when you go into a human village, you don't go, you know, I don't walk into a, any, any town and be like, why, are, why is it not of uniform skin color here? Like, that's just, you know. Is that is that a waste of time? A little bit, I'd say. And, yeah, and look, we we this isn't news to anybody. We know that fantasy fans can be very picky because they love the lore. I mean, if they showed a elf soldier that was wearing like the wrong color armor, and they would say like the steel that they used is is supposed to sure. be this shade of silver, like they're going to call that out and they're going to rate it poorly for that. So I'm not I'm not. This isn't new news that that they're picky. I'm just pointing that out that there could be legitimate reasons for pointing out. I'm definitely biased because all the huge Lord of the Rings fans that I knew in real life are not mad. And it's only these like faceless, like internet, you know, quasi supposed Lord of the Rings fans that are suddenly so offended by this. But yeah, ultimately I hope that the show's so good that they can, you know, that it charms them away from that, that perspective, right? Like you'd hope that like, just like the, like the thing with Arwen in the original movie that like yeah. the the fellowship of the ring was so undeniable that even they I hope I hope there's not someone still out there being like fellowship of the ring sucks because Arwen touched a sword um but there might be um but I'm hoping that this this gets so good that people are just like okay whatever my original stance was wrong but we'll see right dude can we talk for a second about the the background of the development of this show because I find this to be fascinating and and the more that I learn about the writing I I guess I'll take a step back. When I first heard they were doing the show and that they were going to try to change it into something that didn't represent Tolkien, I was like, it was like the GTA meme. I was like, oh shit, here we go again. This is going to (laughs) be, this is going to suck ass, right? I was getting PTSD from what happened the last few seasons of Game of Thrones. But then when you read the background of why they're changing it, it really was because their hands are tied a little bit about what they own and what they don't own. And the more that I read about it, the more that I'm like, wow, these people... These writers 
I'm almost shocked that they came out with any legible show at all because what they had rights to versus what they wanted to write and the kind of like decoding and the encrypting that they had to do to, to make a script is pretty insane, right? Um, yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but from what I've, I've heard, they had access, I guess I should say Amazon, had access, had rights to write about the Lord of the Rings trilogy and the Hobbit series and, and those books. Um, but they wanted to tell a precursor story. They wanted to tell it more this like Correct. second, the first age and second age of humans, which would be like the Cimmerillion. I think that's how you say it. And yep. um, all those kind of, all those stories. Um, so what they had to do is they had to take bits and pieces of what existed in the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit, little like song lyrics that well, would show in up. In the appendix, or, mostly. Like the a ton appendix. of this comes from the appendices of right. the appendices of the two books, which are beefy and definitely tell you a lot but like when someone tells you if someone just was like having conversation with you not knowing the show existed and they were like they're making a lord of the rings prequel you would think the silmarinian because that's like what jackson or that's what tolkien was writing it to be um but yeah it's definitely like they've had to write their way around that um but i think they have at least from what where they started this story they've got a lot of cool events that they're going to get to cover which i'm excited about yeah We've got five seasons. They they've announced that they're they're aiming for around five seasons. And as you said, they have a limitless runway. They could change that if they want. Um, but so far, they're they're aiming to have around five seasons. The first season they've released, as you said, the first two episodes, and they're going to have eight episodes total in this first season. Um, let's get into it. Let's talk about episodes one and two. I again, I I had. All I had heard is this negative potential reviews. They're going to screw up Tolkien. They're going to try to do something different. And then when I watched it, I was like, this is pretty good. Not only is this pretty good, but this has the same tone, style of even the CGI was similar to, as well the comedy breaks were very similar to the Peter Jackson movies. Like, I I almost walked away being like, if you liked the Peter Jackson movies, you're going to probably like this show for the most part. For, for first and foremost, like it is gorgeous. Like obviously, when you throw enough awesome. money at the wall, like that's kind of you know the bare minimum. But it's super beautiful, both from a practical like on set perspective and the CGI they've done is incredible. But a lot of the like like you mentioned, like the tone things, like man, I cannot stop rewatching the sequences from uh, Casa Doom, which we know eventually becomes the Mines of Moria. But the whole dwarf sequence, where like they go, because that's one thing we don't get to see much of in Lord of the Rings, is the dwarves at the height of their power. They've really like been decimated by both Smog the Dragon and the Mines of Moria, like the Balrog. By the time we get to them in Lord of the Rings, but in this we get to see the dwarves like at the peak of their culture like they're very like funny and warm and inviting and they're addressing they're using uh in the like kind of along the, that thread of just like what are they going to do around keeping this this story tied to Tolkien something that Tolkien really focused on in a lot of his work that is not as much addressed in some of the movies is the difficulty of relationships between races based on lifespan so the yeah. elves and men and dwarves all live different amounts of time. And so like time is very different to them. And I loved that uh, there was this conflict between Elrond and Durin who were friends. And Elrond was like, well, I haven't seen you. It's only been like 20 years, man. Like to him, that's nothing. He lives thousands yeah. of years. So like to him, that's like, I haven't seen you in a week. To Durin, he's gotten married. He's had two kids and he hasn't seen this dude in two decades. He only lives like a hundred years, maybe 80 years. So he's like, dude, like you peaced out I never saw you again like fuck you and so like that dynamic is is explored a lot in Tolkien's writing and we haven't really seen it ever addressed before in an on-screen Tolkien work so that's really cool um I've loved it so far I really have uh I'm and again there's so many like questions like the so we have at the end of uh at well at the end of the first episode we see this like comet go across the sky it hits the ground one of the Harfoot girls Nori finds this like scraggly old man who can't speak uh lying in the center of this like giant fiery pit and throughout the second episode we kind of explore him a little bit but we still have no answers and there's all all this debate already about like who this is who he'll turn out to be some people think it's Gandalf some people think it's Sauron some people think it's one of the blue wizards um I'm so excited to find out who that is. I think that's so cool too. that there's an unanswered question. Like that's so because again, like going through Lord of the Rings, not that it wasn't incredible, but there was never like an unanswered question. We always knew how each thing was going to play out. Um, yeah. 
I also I love that they've returned. I've like as much as I will laud the original series or the original trilogy of movies. There were some things that looking back they let get out of control. One of them being like in the first in Fellowship of the Rings Legolas is like really agile and cool and he's like a dope archer but they clearly were affected by how much the fans loved that and by Return of the King Legolas is somewhere between Spider-Man and John Wick like he's like doing backflips and shooting five arrows at a time and like taking down elephants by himself and like all this crazy shit and in the Hobbit movies they injected Legolas into it somehow and he's like doing all this like double backflip knife cutting shit I love that they've returned the combat. Like the elves are still agile and graceful in combat, but they're it's very brutal and you see elves like getting like, you know, they're in like the thick of combat with orcs. We saw an eagle get fucked up in that first battle we saw, which is kind oh, of I think an crazy. homage. Yeah. I thought that was kind of a call to like one of the great memes of LOTR is like why didn't, you know, if the Eagles can just get to Mount Doom, why they didn't they just fly to the Eagles? And so this shows why, right? Because, like, these big, great beasts would have just, like, fucked the Eagles up if they'd done that before the ring was destroyed. So right. I thought that was really cool. Um, so there's so many things like that, man. It makes me excited. It reminds me of watching the original LOTR movies and how excited I got about the lore and about where things were going. And it's it's great so far. I love quick, it. Quick note about the, the action real quick. Uh, you talked about how the... The elves are, you know, they're nimble. They've kind of gotten back to almost like slightly more realistic fighting. I will say there was one scene where I turned to my wife and said, oh, I hate, I kind of don't like how this turned out in terms of the action and kind of the potency of the elves. And that was when our main elf protagonist, and I'm going to butcher names all over the place here, so forgive me in advance. Galadriel. Galadriel, thank you. When Galadriel... uh, there's the there's like the mountain troll or the snow troll or however you say it and you didn't like re- the jump off the sword bit okay. I thought that shit was tight <laughs> it was tight but I was thinking about how our heroes in the original trilogy like all eight of our heroes it took all of them to kill the troll and then she does it basically by herself and I was just like well oh, keep that makes, in mind that hurts Gal- me so much to see keep her in just mind, like Galadriel. Galadriel is like more powerful than anyone in the fellowship other than Gandalf. Like she's a she's an elven ring wearer. Like she's one of the most powerful elven okay. warriors ever in history. Yeah, I don't know this guy. Yeah, is and, she and a ring wearer sure in like, the show? She does not have. Well, obviously the rings haven't been crafted yet. So Kel, okay. Kel, Lord Celebrimbor, the guy that Elrond is now working with, uh, he, you know how he's like, we're going to make this forge. The project they're working on is going to be to build to make the rings. That's what's going to right. be the okay, project. Got it. So yeah, there's she a will lot get of her ring eventually. But, information yeah. here I don't have. I'm watching it purely from just like I guess I'm more the audience perspective on this, which is good. It seems like you have yeah, you've great. done your homework on the the novels. You've read some of these, whereas I am kind of just watching more from the like. You know, the, again, the audience perspective. And I think they're trying to build Galadriel's, like, warrior credentials, right? Like, she's a—they've thrown her in immediately as, like, an elven commander, and they want her to, like, have those bona fides, but they want to show her in combat as being effective, too. And I think they've done that without making her, like, too over the top, I guess is the best way to put it. Like, we've see, we see her be effective, and we see her be, like, intimidating, but I don't think they've gone over the top and made her into, like, a Mary Sue or a Wonder Woman. Like, she gets thrown around a little bit. She's, like, in dangerous situations and is shown to be, like, wary of danger. She's scared of some things, but, like, she can hold yeah. her own in combat, which is cool. I like that. I was expecting her to go Superman or Superwoman, I guess, and when the, the moment when she was on the boat with the other the stranded or this the 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 wrecked ship people and that yeah. that the big fish they called the worm was coming back towards them i was kind of expecting her to grab a spear and go ham and take on that fish and kill the fish and then be like yeah i'm a good guy so i'm glad yeah. that when she saw it coming she just said get the fuck out of here and she yeah, just jumped exactly. off and that was a cool that was great. a cool little like easter egg almost at the beginning uh, the way they show travel in this show is they showed like the original like parchment Tolkien map, and they'll show like the locations they're going to. And when they show in the the very first opening sequence of the show, when they showed the elves moving from Valinor across to Middle Earth, when they go across the sea, you see that snake in the water, like on the map, and it's like, hey, this is out here. It's just drawn on the map like idly. And then later, she actually sees it. So I thought that was pretty cool that it was kind of like a little like foreshadowing moment where you're like, oh damn, there's like monsters out here in that ocean. It's like, yes, there are. <laughs> like, yeah. 
you touched on this for a second. I I love when I think one of the most important things of any story is to have questions early. Just to draw your audience and even if maybe what even if the events that are happening at the moment aren't incredibly interesting, just having one or two really potent questions um can kind of draw the people back in. That's why I like you said I really love the the I don't even know if it's a wizard, but the the man that flew down into the town and crash landed, and we don't know really where he came from. Um, and again, as somebody who hasn't read as much Tolkien as maybe you have, a uh, quick question about inside baseball here. Is there a difference in the Tolkien books between wizards and druids? Because as somebody who knows a lot about fantasy, but not necessarily about Tolkien, when I saw all of his powers, I thought he's a druid. The way that he controls animals, he controls like uh, plants and things like that. So that's why I didn't think he was Gandalf, but maybe you could shed some light there. Yeah, I, I don't think it's Gandalf either. Uh, in the Tolkien lore, Gandalf doesn't show up until the beginning of the Third Age, so it would surprise me if this was Gandalf. He's not present for these events. Um, but again, like obviously, they're writing their own story. Um, now, Tol- in Tolkien, Druid and Wizard are kind of melded together. Like Radagast the Brown is a good example of this. He's like a wizard who's like very in tune with nature, and he like hangs out with animals all the time and is very like bunny gotcha. and tree friendly now he's um, a libtard he is a libtard he's a, very much a tree hugger uh the wizards in tolkien are effectively like almost angels they're sent by the like what what amount to in middle earth like god to to middle earth to like help the good guys fight against, like, Morgoth and Sauron and, like, the great enemies of of goodness. And originally five of them were sent to Middle-earth, two blue wizards, a brown wizard, a white wizard, and a gray wizard. And the the two blue wizards, we don't really know what happened to them. It's not super clear in the lore. Obviously, Radagast the Brown, we do know a little bit about, if you read The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. Uh, Gandalf the Gray and Saruman the White uh, are the the wizards that we know of. Um, So... They also come out of the ocean, not out of the sky in the lore. So I don't, at this point, think it's a wizard. Um, what we do know in the lore, and this might be uh, this might be a spoiler. I don't know um, where this goes. Is that Lord Crelibimbor is the greatest smith the elves have ever had? He crafts these rings to like provide great power, sources of power, and weapons against evil. And Sauron the great deceiver is able to convince him to craft a, a, a secret extra ring, the one ring to rule them all that can bend the will of all the other rings together. And so I'm wondering if this, you know, this is the beginnings of like the very beginnings of Sauron's like, you know, uh, kind of latest machination to like, he's going to come appear this way. So he has a backstory and then he can like slowly work his way towards like getting in with Celebrimbor and then convincing him to create the one ring that he will eventually use to to dominate uh, Middle Earth and lead to. Um, I'm assuming that this show will end effectively in the scene that we see at the beginning of the Fellowship, like the battle that you know Elrond and Isildur cutting yeah. the ring off of uh, of Sauron's hand. Like all that happens at the end of the Second Age, so. That's where this is all headed, but we're going to get to see some really cool stuff about how we get there. So, yeah, that should be. But I'm I have so many questions about who that guy is because it is really interesting. He speaks Elvish, so that's one little clue. Um, the two words that he says that we hear are uh, he asks who the question, just the word who uh, of her of Nori several times, and then he says the word fire several times. Um, one reason that people think he's Sauron is that, like, when they do that cool overhead shot, he's, like, in a circle of fire. It kind of looks like the eye of Sauron, sort of. Um, and then all that fire, like, collapses into him. Um, so it could be Sauron. It could, it, they, they could find a way to, to, to sneak Gandalf into this thing. We have no idea. But, yeah, man, yeah. it's all up in the air right now. Super interesting. Another thing that I'm personally interested in, and again, everything I guess I'm interested in might be explainable by somebody who knows more about Tolkien lore. So it could be that I'm like, man, what's this is an interesting question. And then you hear it and you're like, no, that's not a question that you should know <laughs> that by now. I'm interested about the uh, Gilgalad, I believe that's how you say his name, the, the king of the elves. Um, oh, Gilgalad. Yeah. Gilgalad, excuse me. Not sure I trust him. Um, he clearly seems to know that Sauron is out there. He's kind of trying to like do the whole political maneuver of 
making it seem like it's peacetime when maybe it's not peacetime. I don't know if that's really more self-preservation or if he has more devious thoughts there, but it's interesting nonetheless. Yeah, um, you know, the character of Gilgalad is not someone we spend a ton of time with, um, so I'm, I'm glad that we do. And same with Elrond, right? It's like we're getting to see... I'll also say it's really it's jarring for me to see that they picked the same actor that plays young Ned Stark to play young Elrond. So I'm just like, oh, yeah. weird, like kind of dissonance there. But um, yeah, I mean, Gilgalad kind of views himself as like the king that's that's meant to kind of hand off control of Middle Earth. Like the elves, ultimately at this point, they've been bled dry by this war with Morgoth. Like they spent centuries at war, and like imagine like and and remember that. Tolkien was a child his great life experience was World War 1. And so to him like this a lot of his writing very much parallels like England in World War 1. And so the elves war with Morgoth is very much this war that lasts forever and it bleeds them dry of their like greatest minds, all their sons, their bloodlines are spent. And so their ultimate goal is to just kind of like leave like basically declare the job done as soon as possible so that they can hand the reins to another race, whether it be the dwarves or, or the race of men, and sail into the West. Um, so we see a scene where those elves, including uh, Galadriel, are on the boat. In Tolkien lore, their version of heaven is a physical place that you go to on a boat, um, yeah. but only elves can go or people in the company of elves. And you can once you go, you can't come back. And it's been removed from the physical plane, kind of, because it used to just be like a straight-up normal place. And then Morgoth convinced this race of men who were very powerful, the Numenorians, who are eventually their descendants are the kings of Gondor, like Aragorn. But he convinced them that, like, oh, like, they've got a like, everyone who lives there is immortal. They have all this magic and cool shit they're not sharing with you. You should invade them and, uh, you know, take that shit for yourself. And so men invaded, like, what amounted to heaven, like, tried to wage war on God, and they got their ass beat, and heaven was removed from, like, the physical world, and so now you have to go on, like, a special elven ship, and the, those clouds part, and you go through, and then you're there forever. Um, and it's paradise, and it's super dope, but once you're there, you're there. And so it's cool to watch Galadriel, like, go through this, like, uh, will-she-won't-she of, like, she knows that, like, all she's fought for her whole life is to like vanquish this foe that killed her brother and like return to the piece of her that she knew as a child that we see as she's doing the little like paper boat thing and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But she's pulled by duty and mission to like jump off this boat, even though she's putting herself in like tremendous danger, like jumping off in the middle of the Pacific ocean effectively to like return to middle earth and like fight the evil that she knows to still be there. I think that's super cool. Yeah. One of the kind of complaints that I'd seen about on the reviews um, is character. And I think that's, first of all, it couldn't be further from the truth. But second of all, I'm starting to get really irritated by reviews that hide behind words that actual writers would say. Yeah. And they don't know what they're talking about. Um, I saw a lot of reviews that just be like, you know, super poor script. The writing is horrible. And then they would say like, None of the characters are fleshed out at all, which, A, we're two episodes in. That's yeah, like, exactly. okay, like, if you ever, have you watched Breaking Bad? Like, have you watched yeah, any dude. of these shows where, like, it takes a long time for the characters to, like, develop? Do you want fully developed characters, episode two? But second of all, a lot of the characters have really interesting, I think, they come from different angles. I like that there's completely different characters, power scales and what they want out of life and the situation they're currently in is so different. Um Gladriel has a has a, a great beginning to her character arc. I mean, you have this person that, as you said, has this one mission, this one mortal mission to destroy this enemy, and she didn't do it, and she hasn't done it yet, but she was given basically a access to heaven. Hey, you're done. You can go to heaven. You can go live in paradise for the rest of your belonging for the rest of your life, for the remaining yes, existence for eternity. And instead, she's decided to stay and fight this enemy. That's really powerful. But instead, yeah, people definitely. are just like, huh, poor writing, don't understand these characters. And I stop calling it poor writing if you don't understand what that means. It's just Yeah, and I saw I saw, also saw the term wooden dialogue used a hundred times. And I was like, man, like, I couldn't feel more further away from that. Like, 
the scene where Elrond's at dinner at Durin's uh, little place in the mountain with his wife, and like his wife is kind of telling them the the meet cute story about how she was on this team that like sings to the rocks, and Prince Durin would show up every day for weeks, and like how they met. And Durin's kind of trying to hide the fact that like even though he's really mad at Elrond, he like still really loves him as a brother, and he's like yeah. tended to this tree that Elrond gave him. Like I came away from that feeling like. Again, like it just made me harken back to like being in that movie theater in like seventh or eighth grade when Lord the first Fellowship movie came out, and just being like, "Oh, this is so great!" I've, it was a very heartwarming experience for me. So, I, again, like I do feel, I definitely feel like there are people just they had their heart set on hating this thing, and yeah, I can't yeah. do anything for them, and that sucks. I do think that they're doing themselves a disservice because. I think they're depriving themselves of something that could be really cool. Like if you truly do love Tolkien, like this is going to be awesome. I feel like, and to give uh, again, I think that there's such an advantage to a show where they're not under any pressure to like, okay, first episode, got to have a bunch of battles and sex scenes, or we're going to get canceled because we won't get the numbers we need or whatever. Like if we don't get a 9.9 on IMDb, it's over. They've been given exactly what you would dream of for, you know, your favorite, you know, franchises television Akira. show, right? Like, yeah, you, like if you're like we talked about on the Akira episode, like give them runway, give them budget, give them all the expertise, get have people involved that love, you know, truly love this franchise as much as you do, and then let them tell an amazing story with it. And that's what we're supposedly getting. So so far, I really love it. Um, the other thing that I hate in terms of the horrible reviews. Um, and we we do need to get to some eventually and read some bad reviews, but in line of people that are taking shots at the show, but clearly don't know what they're talking about is they'll, they'll make some, again, leaps in logic and they will take shots at the show. And then they will end it by saying some similar phrase as it's no house of the dragon. It's no game of Thrones. (laughs) And to me, that is like, that is like watching red or red Two or like burn after reading. And then being like, well, it's no Jason Bourne. Well, no shit. Just, yeah. I mean, just because just because they're both high fantasy shows, or just because they're both shows about spies, doesn't mean they're trying to be one or the other, right? The tone, and the setting, and the character webs, like the audience, even that they're trying to go after, is so different on these shows. It's it's completely nonsensical to compare the two. Um, it's like comparing the Christian Bale Batman movies to, you know, the DC Shazam movie that was like clearly for kids. It's like, yeah. what, why would you compare those two? That's just, to me, that is not understanding what is going into these shows and what they're trying to get out of it. Because they're so different. They're so wildly different. Stop comparing Stop comparing House of Dragon or Game of Thrones to Rings of Power. They're nothing like each other, and they never will be. They're not trying to be. Dude, another, I'll, I'll throw this as all, in there also. There is a thousand reviews in here where the critique is centered around Galadriel, and ah, man, I don't want to feel like some. I don't want to be the SJW that they are clearly upset at. But their their whole like critique centers around the fact that Gladriel isn't like a good little woman that does what she's told. Like they'll be like, she's the most unlikable character ever. She's insubordinate. I'm like, <laughs> dog. What what high fantasy do you watch? Where like. Yeah, dude, I need a guy, you know, the main hero who always does what he's told. That's like a, a, a prime attribute of a hero in all these stories. Like, no, dude, that's never how it is. It's always a lovable rogue or, like, someone willing to go again. I mean, dude, the entire Lord of the Rings, like, the, the culmination of Lord of the Rings is, like, you know, Lord Denethor telling everyone to, like, oh, surrender the city and Gandalf and Merry going against that and putting Aragorn on the throne, who is, like, this reluctant monarch. Like, the entire thing is, like, goes against that entirely, and this person's just, yeah. like, she's rude, she's insubordinate, she was really pretty in the original movies, now she's not as pretty. I'm just like, oh my god, dude, like, I, yeah, I can't help you. I don't know what to do. Um, it's There's also people that are, like, the dialogue is super cringe and the characters are stupid. Uh, if you haven't read the original book, then you'll enjoy it. Like this, there's no book, so you're making that up. Like you, 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 you know that <laughs> you think that that's a good way to supplant this as an argument, but there isn't a book here, so there's no way that you could have read the book. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, <laughs> dude. Yeah, there's a thousand of them. Um, it's it still has like a thirty nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which oh, 
That's crazy. I don't know if it's ever going to, it's going to take a year for it to climb out of that hole, but yeah, it sucks. That's so unfair. Because again, I went into this ready to think it was bad because I had read all the negative, right? And as somebody who does not like the, the pandering, I was ready to be pissed off. And then I'm one and a half episodes in and I'm like, this is pretty good. Like, this is not, this is not what I expected, right? Um, so again, and I'm not saying you have to like the show. We never say that on, on, on novel discourse, but the shots that people are taking at these shows are very, uh, it's either stuff that shouldn't make it a one-star review or it's completely invalid stuff that you're pointing out. I think some of the things that are relatively valid that people are pointing out, um, I'll give you a few. Um, we already talked about some of the race stuff and re- really just particular, like how did how did this come to be and some of the world build. And that's, that's very minimal in my opinion. Um, related to that, though, I did notice a bunch of actors using like Irish accents, Scottish accents, Welsh accents, like all kind of talking to each other as part of the same click, which I thought was really, you know, funny, if anything. And you can take points off that. You could act like that's not make that big of a deal. But again, if we're being critical, it is not great that <laughs> people from the same town are all using the same or like using different accents towards each other. I thought that was not, it was not great. And then one more thing that I think is, that I personally notice is I like when stories have different people doing different things in these different arcs that will eventually converge into one. I think game of Thrones is an obvious example of that, but like game of Thrones, like house of the dragon, I think it's nice to have these characters start in a similar spot and then see them branch off. I I think one thing that was a little bit jarring to me with this show, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but I didn't like and i don't like how you have these different storylines that all kind of have an interesting element but they have no real connection to each other um to me that draws me out a little bit of the scenes it makes it very easy for the audience to care a lot about one storyline and then not care at all about other storylines i even though i'm interested to see where this druid or this wizard that fell out of the sky where it came from i find i find myself significantly less interested in the, this, you know, Harfoot subplot than I do the Elvish subplot or the subplot where um, you've got this town where they're they're trying to battle these orcs and they found this little dagger under the floorboard. So it's, that, that's yeah. more of a personal I, thing. I feel like the... I totally agree with you. I think the connective tissue will end up being, like, once we've seen where it goes, I think the connective tissue will end up being, like, we're as we, as we really jump into the events, once we get out of, like, the, the prologue, it's... Hey, like there was this huge war. It ravaged the whole land. You know, the elves have been forced to leave. They're like occupying, you know, forces everywhere to like be on guard for orcs and signs of Morgoth and Sauron. And what we're kind of seeing right now is like signs of that trouble is not quite vanquished, right? In all these different locations all over the place. Um, obviously, Galadriel is kind of our main protagonist. So she's just, the signs are, are with her are like in her heart effectively. Like she knows deep down that like something isn't, isn't right. And so that's always guided her to like keep pursuing the enemy. Um, but when it comes to the Southlands, like we're watching the elves begin to pull out the humans in them have always had a bad relationship. And so they're ready to peace. But we've seen, now we've seen the orcs reemerge um, the Harfoots who are just trying to kind of like do their little harvest festival and stuff. They've started to see weird things happen. And so we know that those are probably ultimately connected to the reemergence of evil. And so I think once we see like the, the ultimate reemergence of Sauron and the crafting of the rings and things like that, these, these events will make more sense. But yeah, right now they do feel like disparate and disconnected, which can be a little like hard to follow. Um, and definitely in a ton of these reviews, I do see like too many plots. Now, I will m- mention that almost all these reviews that are one star say T.O. many plots. <laughs> uh, they use the wrong two. Uh, but you know what? I'll, I'll give them that. that. That can definitely be a legitimate complaint. I have a negative review that it's hard to parse through some of these negative reviews because they're so long and so long-winded. And they say some of the same things over and over again. But I did find this one really interesting. This says... None of these, this is a one-star review, and part of it says, none of these characters seem to come out of Tolkien's world. I'm not surprised. And then literally the next line says, it just really hurts so much to see so much, so many beloved characters torn apart and transformed by these childish stereotypes. So they said, the first line, 
there are no characters yeah. from Tolkien <laughs> stories. And the second line is they are shocked and horrified to see how many Tolkien characters are getting ruined. So I thought that was that was a great read. Pick a lane, dude. Pick a lane, man. Like, yeah, dude. I mean, and again, like, mostly I find that the actual bad reviews started about three stars or two and a half, three stars. Like, those tend to be people that, like, came in, watched the television show, and are there to tell you that, like, either it wasn't for them or here's their critique of it or something like that. All the, like, half-star, one-star reviews uh, just tend to be things like, uh, you know, this is what you get when you stuff political correctness into blah, blah, blah. You're just – and, you know, I can go look at the timestamps and see that it's like, okay, dude, like, you didn't watch it. Like, <laughs> God damn it. Like, so, yeah. No, and, and again, like, we're so early and they are doing such a slow buildup, which – I know that's not for everyone. Like people are definitely want to be immediately grabbed by a television show. That's something that people really look for. And this is, I I don't think that they've gone out of their way to try to like, you know, if, if you were like, Oh, I hate fantasy. This is probably not going to be, you know, you're not going to watch these two hours and be like, okay, yeah, this is gonna be the first fantasy show I watch. Right. Um, but I heard that about game of Thrones as well. Like game of Thrones was definitely, you know, took its time at the beginning. Um, and I think House of Dragons has taken its time, which I've really enjoyed too. So, yeah, we'll have to see where this goes. I'm really excited for uh, this coming Friday to see what the next episode brings because we've got some some pretty crazy action happening. We've got uh, Homeboy Elf just got, like, yanked by those orcs in the tunnel, which that could be crazy. We've got the little boy found what I assume is, like, a Morgul blade, it seems. It's got, like, yeah, dark magic yeah. to it under the floorboards of his house, which is terrifying. Um, and you know, the continuing adventures of, of Galadriel and Caleb Rimbor. So like, dude, there's a lot of cool pieces to get to. Um, I'm almost like there's so much that like, we're only going to get like 15 minutes with each piece of the equation. And so I'm like, oh man, like they got a lot to get to, but I'm, that's why I'm glad they've got yeah, so much every runway. story. I, I don't like seeing so many stories that again are so segmented. I'm trying to figure out what's going to end up mattering, what's not, but the counter argument to that is that every one of these storylines has such interesting questions. Like, and these characters have already had to make such huge decisions or have this almost like, um, and have this kind of picking time bomb with them. I mean, with Galadriel, it was the decision to basically leave heaven, if you will. And then with, and yeah. that, sorry, I don't remember all the characters names, but with the, with the uh, young son and her and his mother that have the, they now have effectively what could be Sauron's, blade with him that seems to have yeah. a similar power to maybe the ring um where it maybe it's calling those orcs towards him maybe that's how the orc got towards the house like that's what it implied to me so that's fascinating how is that going to play out and then who is this mysterious man that fell out of the sky is he a wizard is he a druid is he maybe something else is he could he be evil could he be good there are a lot of interesting questions right now um and Again, this show is shot beautifully. Um, I think the only other critique I could think of off the top of my head was there was a lot of clunky dialogue and I think exposition dialogue needed at the beginning of the show. But again, this is such sure. a massive world that has such history to it. And they, they almost need to set that up. I mean, House of Dragons did the same thing. You go watch the first five minutes of House of the Dragons. There was a lot of dialogue that would... They would call each other by their first name to their faces, which you obviously never do in real life. So most shows have that. Most shows, especially high fantasy, are going to have the clunky dialogue at the beginning to help set up the world. They're going to have the exposition. I thought after the first 20 minutes or so, they, they started to move a little bit past that. So, you know, for me, I thought that this was a solid um, 6 point eight to seven point three like it's it kind of hovers in that area there there was moments of the show where i was a little bit bored but i i really am interested to see where this goes i think it shot beautifully it doesn't look cheap at all i was for some reason i was a little bit worried that the cgi wouldn't look great and things like that but i like the characters so far i like where they're going i feel very strongly that this is not going to be overly politicized which was a concern of mine going into it based on what i had read sure um, but I'm I'm it's it's really nice for me to see that we've got House of the Dragons which seems to be better than expected and then we have this show The Rings of Power which seems to be better than expected. I feel like I'm going to get my fantasy fix for the next few weeks. It's going to be great. Dude, I've I I agree with you. I think fantasy fans are eating right now, which is great. Uh and yeah, I I love 
visually, this is going to be one of the best shows I think we'll, we'll we maybe ever see. And I love that they have returned to using so many practical yes. effects. They've really tried to build beautiful sets, use beautiful costumes. Um, the Hobbit was like one giant CGI explosion, and it looked like shit. And Lord of the Rings was renowned for its just like tremendous use. Like Weta Workshop in New Zealand just did this fucking incredible job of building just unbelievable amounts of stuff, whether it was like a whole army's worth of armor for people to play orcs and stuff or massive sets for battles. So I love that they've tried to find the right balance of beautiful, breathtaking CGI for like large scale cities and things like that, and that but also stay really practical when it comes to um like you know, individual tactical action. I, you know, we don't need to like have, uh, like I said, CGI Spider-Man Legolas like leaping around all over the screen. I think they've they've found the right uh, balance as of now. So, yeah, I would say first two episodes. I I probably go a little bit higher just because um, it's it's so exciting. I can see where what direction they're heading, and I'm so excited about it that 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 definitely pulls me into like the upper sevens, maybe like maybe even as high as like a flat eight. Um, seeing all these characters that I, I know a lot about and getting to see them like at the beginning of their journey where knowing where they end up and trying to fill in in my head, like what all the cool stuff that's going to happen between those. I'm super excited about this show. Um, yeah, man. I mean, for the, I, I, I was telling Cassie today, like for the next, like for the rest of football season, it's just going to be so cool to have like every weekend is just going to be like Friday night, Lord of the Rings, Saturday, Sunday football, Sunday night, uh, Lord of the or House of the Dragon, like all weekend is going to be great eating. TV. It's and then, hey, when that's all over, and when we that's all eating. over, we have Attack on Titan coming back out. What? What? We, we have all sorts of stuff coming Dude. out of the pipeline. Truly the golden age. Like the, the streaming wars are only good for one thing, and that's just feeding us content. Like that's the only Damn advantage. Straight. Well, you know, I, I, I really wish that we had time to go over House of the Dragon. That was original originally we wanted to do this House of the Dragon and touch on the first two episodes of that, but we don't have time. Um I think it actually might serve us better to do a House of the Dragon season one recap whenever that's over. Um and then maybe do a little bit of that for the Ring of Power. Um but we, we are we we have too much content as you said we have too much to go over so it's good for us it's good for the consumer it's good for us as podcasters we have plenty to talk about um as always if you like what you heard please like and subscribe give us a rating and tell your friends that's the most important part even if you don't want to give us a follow even if you don't want to subscribe give us a rating tell a hundred friends that would be awesome we would love that. even if you don't have friends make them by I mean, if you if if the way someone meets you is you you tell them about a really cool podcast, that's a great way to make friends, right? Hey, there. and if you and if if that is too much for you, maybe go be one of those people that stands outside of a mattress giant and flips a board, you know, and flips a board around like it's like they're a twirler and uh, <laughs> it says like novel discourse, you know, that'd be great. I mean, we won't pay you for it, but we greatly appreciate. Absolutely, it. <laughs> you will get a shout out. You will get the shouts out. That's for sure. As always, this is novel discourse. I'm Sam. I'm Andy. We'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.